4: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: True story, folks, for years, even as you're listening now, it is technically possible to get away with murder in one very small part of the United States. You're talking about the zone this? of death? The zone of death is yeah. what we called it, yeah. <laughs> not
0: a uh, not a Mad Max movie, not not some sort of Thunderdome situation, a, a, a bit of a legal loophole, actually, uh, more than anything, um, but it's the coolest name ever, the zone of death.
3: Off to Yellowstone we go. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now, or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben, you are you. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. You guys traveled pretty extensively, right? We've talked about that in past episodes.
2: Not so much currently, but in the past for sure.
3: I'm what they call a man of the world. Yes. Yes. And, uh, At least a man of the states. Which is different from being a globalist. We have other episodes mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. that. Have you all ever been to Yellowstone? No. Never. I would really like to go in a previous episode we explored uh something called the uh Yellowstone is it super volcano or super the caldera that's up yeah, there yeah yeah you can listen to that episode for full details folks but the gist of it is that there's this gigantic disaster catastrophe waiting to occur
2: it's not if it's when
3: right right and the problem is when we talk about uh time in geological terms you know uh, thousands of years are well within a margin of error so we don't know luckily um if you are listening now hopefully that means it has not exploded yet well as we record this that's the best thing we can say it has not exploded yet but we have another adventure that takes place in the inner part of the united states Like most countries, the United States strives to function under the rule of law. That means at the most basic level, there's a code of taboo behavior, stuff you're not supposed to do, crimes. And the public and the government, in theory, agree that these behaviors should be prevented, or if we can't prevent them, they should be punished. And, you know, each crime has a number of possible legal consequences. It could be anything from, like, a, a small citation, like a... Like a parking ticket, Mm -hmm. you know, like Noel and I go to a Primus concert and we get a parking ticket and we say, well, that was 25 extra bucks. But still, it was worth it. We saw Primus. It was just, yeah, you
2: you paid a little extra fee. You're good to go. Or, you know, you could go to a prison for the rest of your life.
3: Right, depending on the crime, yes, mm. or in uh, some cases you could be executed in this country. At least that's that's how it is on paper. Unfortunately, and again, like in most countries, the real-life application of these codes doesn't always measure up to the noble intentions of the written legal system, which is tremendously complex here. Criminals can get away with all sorts of crimes for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, one of the biggest ones is if
2: some tiny little thing occurs during the investigation that doesn't follow protocol or isn't a legal operation, you can invalidate the entire thing. Sure. Like a certain
3: witnesses, testimony
2: becomes inadmissible Mm -hmm. or tampering of evidence in a way
3: that even unintentionally just Mm -hmm. destroys it. Right. Because uh, they have to obey rules. Uh, The criminal also might just never be apprehended or uh
0: the criminal might have a like huge influence a rich wealthy family with a lot of political pull um financial influence that could result in a uh desirable outcome for that individual uh or a, like a much reduced sentence mm-hmm. a lesser charge um and it, then yeah, it happens more often than we'd like to think yeah Right. And then there's this really strange one, which I didn't know much about, this idea of jury nullification. And I guess it makes sense. We put a lot of power in, uh, installing jury members and they are basically the ones they get, you know, advised by the judge and they listen to the arguments of the different sides, but ultimately it is up to them to decide the fate of this person on trial. And there is this Pretty rare occurrence, uh, where they kind of band together and decide they don't like a particular law or the way it's been enacted and they decide to, I guess, rebel against that law. Right.
3: Yeah. They're ruling what, so, so for example, if, um, someone, I'm not saying our super producer Tristan, but if someone was convicted of possessing a drug, for example, Possessing marijuana and Tristan invoked his right to a trial by jury. Then a jury of his peers, whoosh, whoosh, Mm -hmm. a jury of his peers would be selected. And these people do have the right as jury members to practice jury nullification and say, look, we don't care whether or not he had it. We think the law governing uh, or, or making possession marijuana illegal is itself unsound. So we're going to like nullify this case.
0: But what an odd, you know, collection of circumstances you'd have to have for that to actually work. You would have to have a relatively randomly selected jury, kind of band together. I guess maybe the foreman or whatever could uh, get everyone over to their side. And like, is that how you would pitch it? Is it, it seems <laughs> like if, if if there was an understanding that this was the discussion being had. Would raise some eyebrows, right? Like,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, that's like you said, it is a rare occurrence because there's so many things that have to come together, and the courts appear to uh, really, really dislike it when and, yeah, this is discussed. Cases, yeah, a lot of the courts.
3: Right. You're recalling a specific video, right? I'm recalling a
2: specific video, but also it, I've seen it in other places. Encouraged to not discuss jury nullification ar- around a courthouse.
3: I mean, also. Honestly, I would love to be on a jury. And I think that's the reason why I never make it through. It feels like an audition. Hmm. I never make it through. And then really, if you, if you are a, if you are called to do your civic duty and you just flat out do not have time or do not have the inclination or do not want to participate uh, in a trial, which can drag on for a long time, just tell them that you are aware of and a huge proponent of jury nullification. <laughs> Bye. And you want to tell everyone about it. Yeah.
0: There's actually a couple of interesting cases. In 1988, um, the Sixth Circuit basically said that there is, quote, no such thing as valid jury nullification. And then in the United States versus Thomas in 1997, the Second Circuit Court ruled that if there is evidence of this this kind of behavior a juror can in fact be removed and that has since kind of been held up in 2017 mm. ninth circuit cases as well uh, it's it's
3: almost like it's almost like vigilante justice in a weird way yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a bureaucratic form of vigilante justice <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah that's uh, i mean okay so that is a real thing um that has occurred in the past and it is incredibly rare it's it's like um, in a different unrelated show I did a piece on the so-called insanity defense, which is also, again, I, I don't know about how common it is for it to be presented as an argument, but it is extremely uncommon for it to be accepted as an argument. Mm-hmm. So experts continue to debate about how often this sort of stuff actually occurs. How often does jury nullification occur? How often do criminals just get away? Yeah, or do the
2: judge get paid? Somehow? Right,
3: or corruption. Corruption. Um, or technicalities, Uh, we, we know this occurs, but we debate about how often it occurs. And the public increasingly believes that, in some cases, the system is broken. If you're lucky enough to live in a country that grants you internet access, you can go ahead and check out something called affluenza. A F F L U E N Z A. Yeah. Honestly,
2: we yeah. could do an entire episode yes. on this vocabulary word that mm-hmm. we all started to
3: learn a couple of years ago. It's yeah, it's a portmanteau of uh, or a combination of two separate words: affluence, wealth, and influenza, the flu. And uh, while we're here, we can go ahead and describe a couple of examples for you. I guess we should probably start with Ethan Couch, who is the person um, most people learned about affluent through.
2: Yeah, he um, he killed four people while he was driving a vehicle while intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, using other drugs. Mm-hmm. This was in Texas. And uh, – it didn't go the way you'd think it would when something like that happens. One of those, uh, taboos is broken.
3: Right. So four people were killed in the collision. A total of nine people were injured. Two of them were passengers in Couch's vehicle and one of them, uh, was completely paralyzed. So he got four counts of intoxication manslaughter for recklessly driving under the influence. In 2013, the judge sentenced him not to jail but to 10 years of probation and ordered him to go to therapy at a long-term inpatient facility. And this was after his attorneys had argued that he had – affluenza and yep. needed rehabilitation instead of prison.
2: The idea is that he's been so rich for so long, he's never encountered a lot of the problems and the the issues facing the common man. So he just doesn't understand what happened
3: and there's no need to punish him for this. Right. If it's a, it's painting that painting that socio socioeconomic condition as an affliction mm-hmm. right uh the first or primary works on this defined affluenza as a painful contagious socially transmitted condition of overload debt anxiety and waste resulting from the dogged pursuit of more wow so, so that is an episode that we'll probably yep. have i i have one more example but it's much darker
2: oh the dupont thing mhm uh, okay you're talking about
3: Richard – Robert H. Richards IV. Yes. Uh, a DuPont heir um, in 2009, he was tried uh, f- and convicted for uh, brutally sexually abusing his children. Uh, one, yeah. One of whom was an infant and this is not the first time he did this to one of his children. He was convicted of rape. And he was spared in 2009 by this court in Delaware because, according to the judge, he <sighs> would not fare well behind bars. So he was ordered eight years probation and to get treatment, register as a sex offender. To date, he has not gotten treatment. He's just hanging out in Delaware. Thankfully, he was at least prohibited from
2: having any kind of contact with children under sixteen, including his own kids. Is
3: Delaware also
0: like a sex offender haven, as well as being a tax a tax haven? haven? I don't know. I have
3: no. I, I've always been really curious I'm kidding. about Delaware. Delaware people, but
0: Jesus, it is just, <laughs> just yeah. It just insane. these case kind of cases make me so mad. Remember, it reminds that case of that swimmer from uh, Stanford that got off, you know, for oh, raping yeah. that girl, and mm-hmm. it was just like you know. This is the thing. I can't believe that people can actually uh say that because you're wealthy and you had all the opp- the best
3: opportunities that you're less
0: equipped to make the right decision. Isn't that right. the argument? I am i don't understand.
3: It's kind of like saying, well, I'm such a narcissist. I should be able to park in the handicapped spot, you know? Yeah. The fact
0: that you think that is a product of society. Right, so, Yeah, It's right. an issue
3: you're dealing with because you truly believe it. So this is – I mean – I think you guys are right. I think we should do an episode entirely on this and maybe we'll see if we can get one of the authors of these works to be uh, speak great. with us. So write in let us know if you think that's a good idea. We, we show this to illustrate that despite the noble intentions of the legal system and despite centuries of diligent effort to clarify and codify it, um, in real life application – Terrible things happen, and equally, if not more importantly, various groups in the U.S. are disproportionately persecuted rather than protected by this system. Again, and tragically, this is common in many countries, while it's technically illegal to discriminate against someone in this regard using their ethnicity, income, religion, facial hair, clothing, or whatever to single them out for more extreme punishment or profiling, even the most cursory of examinations, even the laziest Google search can show that this happens every single day in every state to one degree or another. But despite all of these serious problems, the US is full of determined people literally putting their lives on the line to preserve the rule of law.
0: So as of 2012, the most recent, um, solid data that we have is, is this. There were 1,076,054 full-time, um, law enforcement officers working in the U.S. or 3.43 per every 1,000 people. That includes both sworn and non-sworn officers. I've always, uh, kind of been a little mystified at the, the distinction.
3: Yeah. It's funny you mention this because the data set included that distinction when we were when we were checking out checking out the info and so we went off air to learn about about the distinction and it's pretty interesting so people who are sworn professionals carry a firearm can arrest you and have a badge and so the people who are non sworn um don't have at least one of those three powers or items. So they might be like criminal analysts, crime scene techs, crime lab guys. Aha. Like Dexter would be a non-sworn officer. Exactly. That's awesome. That's good to know. Um, but
0: – These folks only operate in certain areas. Um, Yeah, all of the
2: law enforcement that we just talked about. They've got a place where they can be. There are lines drawn in the sand where I am allowed to function as a law enforcement officer. Jurisdictions. Yes.
3: Yeah, Yeah, jurisdictions. they can be pretty complex. They can also transcend geography because there are certain types of cases that – one law enforcement branch would handle mm. rather than another. Or, you know, you might have federal officers that mm. if it's within the United States territory, you can be there. Or you might have the Texas Rangers, which are their own crazy thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Or the Royal Canadian Mounted Police.
3: <laughs> yeah, For sure. That
0: doesn't really apply. To well, well, I think know. it could. Um, <laughs> Do they ride mooses? Moose? moose is its own plural, right? I think it's moose. Yeah. No. They don't ride moose.
3: I know that. I, I mean, uh, that'd could. be cool if they did. Yeah. Well, I also – just for a glimpse, this is tangential, but I thought I thought we would find it interesting. I read about little-known police agencies because mm-hmm. there's so many. It can be confusing to someone who's not from the U.S. And don't feel too bad; it's confusing to most of us who live here as well. Um, the Smithsonian has its own police force. The Supreme Court has its own police force. Uh, there are a couple of police forces. There are just like one guy. The Whoa. Vatican does, right? The Vatican has the Vatican is the only nation that can actually lock its door at night, and they have yeah, they have a police force, they have a uh ambulance team, they have they have all the things a city would need to function, but they're all you know like Vatican flavor.
2: Dude, uh, on NPR this morning, there was a discussion about a county near Savannah, Georgia, where there's a city council dissolved the I think the the city's police department—a really small department of like five to seven people—and then we're coming into con- they're making a new contract with the county police rather than the city police, and it was this big kerfuffle where the city council literally just said, eh, "We're not going to have police force anymore. We're just going to get the county to do it." And it's interesting how those jurisdictional things. Become real fights. Uh, this
0: all might sound a little snoozeworthy, but it really is leading up to the topic at hand, and we're going to leave you with a question: What happens when you don't have a
2: jury?
3: What happens when law enforcement is powerless? Ben? Or there
2: is no law enforcement right. in a certain area? Is there a place like that?
3: Is there any place in the U.S. where it's possible to legally get away with murder? We'll tell you right after a word from our sponsors. <laughs>
2: home <laughs>
3: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
3: If you dare. Here's where it gets crazy. Enter the zone of death. It's the a Bruce Lee movie? The zone of what? What, what are we doing? It's the highway to the zone of death. I don't want to go there. We couldn't get the rights to the highway to the danger zone. It's right zone.
0: past the danger zone. It's right <laughs> past the danger zone.
3: You have danger your warning. Arrow. There we go. So this, there's a huge controversy playing out, uh, in the U.S. right now. And it's, it's been playing for a number of years, but it came to our attention again. Um, Noel, you brought it up off air and, uh, we were, Beflummoxed. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I don't know. We if couldn't believe right. I couldn't believe that it was true. Well, I I couldn't believe that we hadn't done an episode on it before. So this controversy starts years ago in like the- Turn of the millennium or 1999 or so. Uh, Princess song is getting more airtime than it ever has before. Y2K looms large. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. And the controversy starts when a fellow named Dr. Brian Kalt, a professor at the Michigan State University of Law, writes a research paper called The Perfect Crime. In his research, he discovered a strange loophole in U.S. law specifically concerning Yellowstone. It all hinges on two things. Venue. That's where a trial occurs, and Visnage, or Visinage, uh, if you're being fancy, the place from which jurors are drawn. So first things first, geography. Yellowstone is comprised of land from three states. The majority of Yellowstone is, is in Wyoming, but parts of it are in Idaho and Montana as well. It has a total area of about 3,468.4 square miles, which I did not convert to metric, but I should <laughs> have. You monster. I know. That's just the beginning. Will I be able to get away with this crime of not converting to metric? I see how your sick mind works. (laughs) But because
0: Wyoming holds the majority of the property that uh, comprises Yellowstone for federal purposes, it's also the law of Yellowstone. So it has jurisdiction over the entire uh, area of the park.
2: Okay, I get it. So Wyoming's holding sway even though it's in other states. Mm -hmm. That's where we are.
3: Okay. Right, because when uh, states would join the union, they would cede uh, jurisdiction or control over any park territory directly to the U.S., to the feds. Got it. So imagine, let's say you and a friend went hiking in Yellowstone, and while there, specifically in the 50 or so miles of the park that are on Idaho land— you decide to murder somebody. Who knows? Who knows why? Things happen. Things escalate. It. It doesn't matter why you killed him. I mean, I'm sure it matters to you. And let's say that instead of covering your tracks, you and your friends told the police what you had done. And let's say the police believe you, and they find the body and the murder weapon, if there is one. Uh, the the whole nine, the whole mm-hmm. shebang. Um, the like most simple, straight to the point Law and Order episode ever. During legal proceedings, you invoke the Sixth Amendment and you demand a trial by jury. The jury is composed of people from the state where the murder was committed, Idaho, and from the federal district where it was committed, which would be the district of Wyoming. Whoa. And this is where it gets – well, well, tricky, all right? Because invoking your right to a jury automatically means a jury composed of people from that state where the murder was committed. So – like if – if um like Noel, Matt, if you guys get together and go camping, you kill somebody and you're in Idaho, then the jury has to come from Idaho. Uh, <clears throat> and it has to come from the federal district where it was committed. Okay. Normally, this would not be a problem. But the district of Wyoming, since it has purview over all of Yellowstone, even the parts of Montana or Idaho, complicates things. You have a right to a jury composed entirely of people living only in both the Idaho and the District of Wyoming overlap. That is people living in the Idaho part of Yellowstone. Are there
2: any people that live in the Ohio part of Yellowstone?
3: According to the 2000 census, they are not. Not one. Oh, boy. And bears cannot legally – bears cannot legally judge you in court yet.
2: Jeez. So, okay, This is fascinating.
3: So then in theory – a jury couldn't be formed, and uh, the Uncle Sam would essentially be like, "Curses, no curses, Matt! You outwitted me again, but I'll get you one day." It seems Did you just like call me a gnome. <laughs> no, I said no. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. It seems like there would have to be some kind
2: of workaround where you're like, where you can't do a trial by jury. Oh,
3: that is so crazy. Yeah, pretty nuts. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds too simple to be true, but it is. And uh, for for his part, Doctor Doctor Kout actually wrote to the Department of Justice, the U.S. Attorney for Wyoming, uh, the House and Senate, uh, and he told them about the loophole a year before he published this. He was hoping that they would close this loophole. Mm-hmm. Before the paper went out.
2: So the perfect murder doesn't actually happen.
3: It was on the off chance that the article might drive people to commit crimes in Yellowstone. Because, you know, this would be any crime, any taboo behavior. This could be stamp fraud. I don't know how that would – I don't know how that would work. Well, that's the thing. I got to move on from the stamp fraud, dude. I'm not (laughs) – I don't don't know if I can. I'll get there. It's one day at a time. So imagining
2: you could set up a criminal enterprise there in that 50 miles – but you've still got park rangers who are going to stop you from doing it. If yeah, they're, they're going to be like, hey, you, quit, you quit that. Well, yeah, and they will they can still arrest you on it, and you'll have to go through the whole rigmarole of getting to, you know, the, all the hearings in the beginning and then request your trial not and do all you, that.
0: Not if you run fast.
2: Oh, okay. Tame a couple bears, get them to fight on your side. The, dude, forest, like, kingpin, with
0: bears for, like, heavies, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and then
3: ravens for information. Done. And ravens could actually, oh, man, okay, that's a different episode, but ravens are amazing. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I know this. Uh, this obviously seems like a very small nitpicky thing in some ways, but here's what happened. He got a reply. The U.S. attorney did write back to him. The U.S. attorney says, it's not my power to change the law. And then he got another one from the House Judiciary Committee, but it was from an intern, Oh. And the letter was, I don't know, thank you for your time. Thanks for writing to us. Otherwise, he was ignored. So the number one question out there for the episode today is, could you really do it? Could you really go to this 50-mile lawless area or consequence-free area, commit a crime, and then get away free? I mean,
0: technically, yes, right? But probably no.
3: Right. The loophole is still not fixed as we record this in a follow-up article from 2008 called Tabloid Constitutionalism, How a Bill Doesn't Become a Law. Dr. Kalt explores the various possible fixes to the problem as well as a consistent federal inaction when presented with the loophole.
2: That is so crazy that he wrote to everybody and everybody just shut him down.
3: Well, I I think it's also a – um, it's a legal loophole. It's not as if people are consistently dying – uh, yes, so far as we know, right? Or if mm-hmm. there's consistent poaching, but it did come close to being resolved uh, during an illegal elk hunting incident in the Montana section of the park. Uh, this happened in 2005. A hunter named Michael Belderain killed an elk, and then his trial went uh, went up in 2007, and he used Cal's original article, "The Perfect Crime." As part of the argument, so it could have been resolved. Ultimately, the defendant, though he struck a plea deal, and the circumstances of the plea deal, Dude, were pretty weird, right?
2: Yeah, they forbade him from bringing up the issue anymore. Like, don't talk about this, and don't use it in your defense. Let's take, let's let, let's exchange some money here. We're we're all done. Oh, so they were like,
0: we don't want
3: people to know about this. They were like, we're not talking about this. Yeah, that's yeah. what they did. They put their hands over their ears and yep. went, la, 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 la. la, la. Um, <laughs>
2: pay for the elk and get out of here.
3: What does it take to fix a loophole like this? So that's a great question. Um, because <laughs> first, first I would say, um, obviously the courts are not, they're not exactly jumping or champing at the bit to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, Calt feels like there are some, Pretty easy solutions and uh, we'll get to those. But first, I do want to say I think our, our immediate answer for everybody in the audience mm-hmm. is just be very cautious. Be aware if someone you don't particularly get on with invites you to go camping in Yellowstone. At least ask them where you're going in Yellowstone. Yeah, get the coordinates. Yeah, there you for go. Sure.
2: Make sure you have a, a GPS that's always in your possession to know if you step on that land.
3: Drop yeah. a pin drop it pin just like uh, missing 411 also anytime you go out in the woods let somebody who's back in civilization know when you're supposed to be back
2: and when you step on Idaho land within Yellowstone
3: and we will answer Noel's excellent question after a word from our sponsor <laughs> He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
3: If you dare. So Dr. Colt worked assiduously to bring this issue to the public eye, as we said, and to the attention of policymakers. It seems that officials are aware of the loophole, but they were either, in some cases, to answer your question, Noel, they were either under the impression that it was effectively solved or that they specifically in their position were not the person to solve it. So one one group, um, or one senator rather, uh, wrote back and was under the impression that dual jurisdiction existed in Yellowstone or that members of Nearby areas could fill in as, as, uh, members of the jury. I can
2: imagine that being the viewpoint. Instead yeah. of seeing it as nobody has jurisdiction, both states have jurisdiction. Right. So you just kind of decide once, once something happens.
0: Right. Could the court interpret it that way? Is this open for interpretation or is it so specific that like this case would actually lead to an issue like this? Well,
2: uh, we yeah. saw. I mean, it, yeah, it it's did.
3: pretty explicit. <laughs> Yeah, which is why the court said, no, just look, we can agree that you shouldn't have shot an elk, but we don't need to we don't need to put rule <laughs> of law in danger. Invoke here. the danger zone. rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so things did turn around a little bit after the publication of a fictional book, a novel called Free Fire by a fellow named C.J. Box in 2007. Turns out there was a senator from Wyoming who was a fan of C.J. Box and mm-hmm. read the book and thought, "Hang on, hang on a tick, take- <laughs> that can't be real." Uh, yeah, and uh, so Senator Mike Enzi got involved uh, almost entirely at first because he was a fan of C.J. Box, and he asked the Department of Justice to look into the issue. They did and they concluded that no fix was needed that's
0: what i'm saying like couldn't this be open for interpretation where you could like you know like it's it's so obvious like you know this is like obviously like a mistake
3: i don't know i mean i think i i would i would be of the same opinion their response was that trying someone in the wrong state or in the wrong district um, um, is essentially a um, – this is their phrase – harmless error. Oh, jeez. Uh, so both Dr. Calton and Senator Enzi thought this was incorrect. Uh, they believe that the error in question is a violation of someone's Sixth Amendment right to a trial in the state and district where the crime occurred. So it could hardly be judged harmless. Completely agree. You're violating someone's constitutional rights. I mean I don't know if you really – are, though, because it's still a right to a trial by a jury. It doesn't say, like, a trial in a certain way,
2: I guess, besides in the place where it Well, that's the
3: thing. It is pretty explicit. Both the stuff declaring the jurisdiction of Yellowstone and the stuff declaring how a trial should be conducted are pretty explicit in the the legalese. So maybe the best way to do this is to look at a chronological example. So let's say... um, Matt, will pick on you. Let's okay. say you commit a crime in Yellowstone. All right. Uh, first off, it doesn't matter what crime you committed, but, you know, since it's you, what crime did you commit?
2: I w- harvested some wild-growing poppies. Okay. And I tried to set up a very small uh, heroin Okay, great. So
3: possession with intent to distribute.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't think anyone would notice.
3: (laughs) Okay, well, all right. Unfortunately, in this thing, so Matt, Matt, uh, harvest and attempts to harvest poppies and attempts to create drugs. from. Yeah. Attempts to create heroin. I imagine It's a big market right now. And so, um, and it is, unfortunately. So let's say he doesn't get away with it. He's apprehended. He's caught. They have the stuff. They know he did it. He is going to trial. Mm-hmm. Or, and, or he's going to court. And at this point, if he, if you did not, um, invoke your right to a trial by jury, then this loophole would not really matter.
2: I've, I've lawyered up, so I think we're gonna go to trial. Right,
3: so you've lawyered up and you're going to trial. You've invoked your, uh, six amendment rights. Mm-hmm. So here's where the, the tricky part happens because the next step is that because all of Yellowstone is under the federal district of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be – that will set the venue for the – the venue for the crime uh, – the venue for the hearing. It will be in that court, that court district. But because of vicinage, because the jury must come from the area where it occurred, it has to come from the part of Idaho that is inside of – Yellowstone, where no one lives. So the next step is they can't find a jury. They can't legally find a jury because you are not just promised the trial by jury of your peers. they're also they have to be from where the crime was committed. Mm-hmm. So that is the loophole Dr. Kalt's talking about. Makes sense?
2: Mm-hmm. And I, it looks like I'm getting off scot-free, so <laughs> in
0: theory. Monster. Well, right, because like all we have as an example is this elk case, where they basically made a deal with the guy to shut him up so he wouldn't invoke this weird
2: right loophole. But I, Isn't to, that right? Yeah, and they might, pretty yeah. much. To be fair, so many cases nowadays are just settled, and rather than going through the lengthy process of having it, a huge trial, I mean, it just it happens so frequently now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't surprise me at all.
0: Well, a big part of being able to afford getting sued (laughs) if you're, like, wealthy enough that you get sued often or sue others is to have the money just to go through the process. I mean, it's – you don't automatically just, like, get – you know, uh, reimbursed. Like you have mm-hmm. to like invest time and money into mm-hmm. the whole thing before you may or may not win. And mm-hmm. then if you don't win, you're penalized and you're also out however much money mm-hmm. you put into the the case. So and
3: sometimes judges will have harsher sentences if somebody does invoke a yeah. right to a trial by jury. Wasting
0: everyone's time, right? right
3: exactly. Um, and. You know, public defenders are legally granted to people who cannot afford their own defenders, but those poor folks are underwater, you know? I
2: know. Those Yellowstone public defenders. Well, I don't know about that.
3: If you're a Yellowstone public defender, please write to us. (laughs) Absolutely. But um the Department of
0: Justice raised another more salient point um, as Colt summarized in his paper. Quote Splitting Yellowstone into the district courts for Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana would also split it between the Ninth and Tenth Circuits. Senator Enzi and others were wary of this because it would create a new and unwelcome burden if environmentalists could use this foothold to challenge the Park Service's management decisions in the liberal and quirky Ninth Circuit. You do, I you, love you, that. Yeah, uh, you hear about the Ninth Circuit. Actually, wasn't the Ninth Circuit the one that sued over the travel ban? Oh, was it? I think so. Okay, yeah, liberal and quirky. And I think opponents of this action cite the fact that a lot of their uh, ca- their their cases get. Um, dismissed, mm-hmm. but that they're, they're, there's a little more to it than that. Um, but it's interesting for them to just blatantly classify them as the liberal <laughs> well, and quirky ninth circuit.
3: It's like the ninth circuit is a sitcom on yeah. Comedy Central, <laughs> like, a, like, a,
2: like a clown car. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the cases of interest here. You've got tr- uh, Hawaii versus Trump, two of those um, state of Hawaii versus Trump, Uber cases, consolidated Ooh. appeals with Uber. Uh, let's see not a lot of other really interesting ones but just it feels a bit strange
3: so other government officials are concerned then that what they see as extreme environmentalist or environmentally concerned organizations would use this as an opportunity to advance their agendas mm-hmm. okay so now there's another problem that just swoops in at the last minute to make things even more complicated. However, here is the closest thing we find to an answer to this question. Um, could we fix this? And how how easy or tough is it to fix? Uh, Dr. Kalt believes uh, that there's nothing stopping the U.S. from just designating the Tenth Circuit as the proper venue for all of these cases. Just say that's it. One fell swoop. Happens in Yellowstone, 10th Circuit. Boom. Done. Dismissed.
2: I feel like that's a pretty good, that's a good answer.
3: Stay tuned for the season premiere of 9th Circuit at 8.30. What's the counter argument though? That, uh, the counter argument at this point is, um. No. Yeah. <laughs> the counter argument. <laughs> it's this. It's is, is definitely yeah, this. Is thanks for, and uh. You're stuck thanks with for it. writing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that is where we are at right now. Do you want
0: to try it? Before they 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 fix it, should we? Yeah, you know? I I don't want to do a violent crime. Though. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Just Maybe like a, a blue law
2: way. or something. Or I bet there are blue laws in Wyoming. You are such a sweet boy. I
0: thought <laughs> you, you went from growing heroin poppies to breaking a blue law. Look, I'm are you gonna drink a zima <laughs> on the Sabbath?
2: <laughs> the only reason why I've got the whole poppy thing is to. Uh, it's about money laundering, and don't worry about it. It's fine.
3: Okay. Uh I do have an update though that um you you all may enjoy um Dr. Cal has not just researched this he is also currently making the rounds on another political loophole that recently came up. Ooh can we guess? Yeah. I got nothing. All right. Uh it it's the interesting one. Um, Matt.
2: Oh I know what it is. All right. Uh, can can a dog be a
3: mayor? No. A dog can be a mayor in the U.S. Actually, <laughs> and this, I, I'm so glad you brought that up. We did include that. Um, in, there's a town called Cormorant, Minnesota, where for uh, three three consecutive terms, a dog named Duke has been elected mayor.
2: It's true, Duke the mayor of the dog.
3: Mm-hmm. Two uh, two times unanimously, I believe, and the <laughs> third his third run, uh, there was one vote for his girlfriend who was named Lassie.
2: The township has 1,039 people. Just so everybody knows, if you you are that many people,
3: you can be ruled by a dog. That dog is running it.
0: This dog in this photo I'm looking at is just like lounging on a big white sofa (laughs) with a tiny hat that says mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
3: It's a true story. It's a true story. But I guess get to the loophole. What's the, what's the big one? Yeah, yeah. All right. Can... A federal official pardon, pardon themselves? Will, can they Whoa. pardon themselves? I, that
0: was that was the one I was like, that was I was trying to come up with. You got was, it, you got it. I, would, I was like, there's definitely been a loophole in the news lately.
2: Uh-huh. What is the answer? I'm gonna say
0: hell no. I would say that too. Well, but it's still not. It's not clear because it's, it's never happened.
3: It's not. It's never happened, and it's not. Explicitly forbidden. Mm -hmm. So the, Mm -hmm. the, in the constitution. Right. Well, like the, in in, any any
0: statutes. Yeah.
3: yeah. Legally, the president or commander in chief has the power to pardon. Right. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't say, you know, you cannot pardon yourself. You cannot pardon certain people for certain crimes or something like that. It doesn't even say you can only pardon real people. It's completely, I mean, that's why every year the president uh, pardons a turkey pardons a turkey for yuck, thanksgiving yuck. Yep. gobble gobble yep yep uh so but i i i heard an argument on
0: mm-hmm. npr with some legal um scholar saying that inherently the act of pardoning is mm-hmm. meant to bestow mercy on another and that like the the very nature of it mm-hmm. is not self-reflexive or whatever yeah right and now. there's
3: yeah that's a great point there's another point there too where a pardon a pardon is acknowledging that a crime occurred a pardon is in some way an acknowledgment of guilt.
0: I think so too. But in the same segment, the the guy was mentioning – I wish I could remember his name uh, – that the pardon itself implies, no, you did nothing wrong. Even mm-hmm. if you did a murder or something – the pardon, the act of being pardoned is literally absolving you to the point where it, like, it, it never happened. Ooh. So it does not necessarily require an admission of guilt. Like, you're totally right, Ben, but this was something that was like, this is that is odd. Like, that is, you know, it's literally like a godlike power from on high to
3: wipe away your sins, you know? Like, that's pretty intense. To get out of jail free card. So Dr. Kalt is has been making the rounds talking about this, and – one of the things that he says is if i were a judge hearing the case i wouldn't let somebody pardon themselves mm-hmm. you know can uh, we get him on the show do you think uh let's see let's let's reach out to wouldn't him
0: wouldn't that be a cool episode I yeah think
3: so let's see uh because we could we could certainly use his help uh examining the nature of a pardon you know for sure uh and we'd like your help as well not just with uh this episode do let us know what your thoughts are. Do let us know if you've been to Yellowstone, if you have ax- accidentally found yourself in the zone of death, uh which, you know, I'm sure it's a very peaceful place. You know, I'm sure it's not a bunch of people trying to make moonshine stills. The, the,
0: the locale Yellowstone zone of death. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that from Perks and Rec, the local Calzone zone?
2: <laughs> hey, you guys, guess what? What's that, Matt? I got Brian's contact info right here. So I'm going to... I'm going to make a call. I'm, I'm for real serious. Okay. Oh, definitely. No, we okay. should do that
3: 100%. Oh, I was just being quiet. I thought you were going to do it on air. <laughs> yeah. to Shout him up. All right, on hey, uh,
2: Brian. I, I
3: was going to say maybe the best way to do it is not to prank call him now. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, speaking of our listeners, it's time for. Shout out Corners. Kadoosh.
0: Our first shout out today comes from. Uh, we'll call you Christopher. Christopher? Is that okay? I think that's fine. Sure. Mm-hmm. In Canada. Uh, it says, Hi, guys. Old dude in Canada. Uh, I like to listen to your show. I appreciate that you introduce at least some critical analysis to the subjects you cover. However, you never really talk about the truly fatal flaw in the reasoning behind so many of the topics taking it to task here a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's all positive bias. And we, we talk about this for sure, but this, is, this guy really does a good job of laying this out. The entertaining Mr. Pilates uses similarities among events to imply that they are related. That is not how science works. Science would try to disprove the events are related. If that failed, then maybe you could say you're onto something. He suggests the deaths he studies are similar as they have, quote, no known cause of death. Dudes... Think about that logic for a few minutes. I don't know if Mr. Pallotti's books offer any real statistical analysis of his claims. However, everything he said on your podcast sounded like patterns based on positive bias and post hoc reasoning. If you draw the target after you shoot the arrow, you'll hit the bullseye
3: every time. Cheers, Chris. Wow, Chris. I really appreciate the idea. I've heard the uh, painting the target analogy or mm-hmm. comparison before and I think it's a very powerful one and it's meaningful. We talk about that a little bit on the um in that in the interview. wrap up too yeah. when we
0: kind of do a little postmortem at the end we recorded later. Mm-hmm. Uh this was a big issue you had even before we did the interview. You were talking about how it felt like a very well-researched collection of cases with only kind of tangential connections and and i don't know
3: right well the thing is in that regard especially um david pilates is is very very clear that he is looking for he says it i believe in the interview uh that he is looking for cases that have the following criteria right um and uh by his own admission not every disappearance is going to match those cases so i really appreciate um your letter Chris and I hope that everybody else um, can hold that in in we should all hold this in our minds the idea of painting the target after yeah after slinging the arrow come you up with
2: a hypothesis first and then test it
0: right uh, isn't that just basic confirmation bias too where you kind of like expect the result. And then see it everywhere, kind sure. of.
3: Yeah. Like, uh, it's like the old Louis C.K. joke where, uh, he says, you know, if you don't like somebody, if you, if you think they're a jerk and you, you just already decided that, then everything they do is just going to be further evidence mm-hmm. to you that they're a jerk. You'll be like, look at this monster chewing, what is that? Spearmint gum. I, I knew it.
2: You can easily test that one out. By just observing someone in a vehicle while you're driving, somebody else that you happen to be next to for a while, if you if you are <laughs> if you believe they're a jerk for some reason or another because of maybe the car they drive or the way they look, you're gonna see that. But if you're just like, hey, it's just another person driving. What's that car, fine. Ben? That that haunts you.
3: Honda Odyssey?
2: Yeah, Ooh. so like Ben
0: sees a guy driving a Honda Odyssey, he immediately knows this man is a piece of human garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a lovely man, family man. Nah. But, you no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Uh,
3: I, uh, yeah, I do have a, you can hear about that on our car show. I have a long-standing, unfortunate and, uh, entirely not my fault, antagonistic mm-hmm. relationship with Honda Odysseys. Putting aside any of my, uh, Personal complications. With some vehicles. Uh I do think that Chris. I think your point remains, and we appreciate you taking the time to write in.
2: I got to bring up Porsche SUVs too. I mean, come on. What? What about them? Well,
3: if I don't. You got to have a
2: Porsche. Drive a Porsche.
0: No, I, I mean that's just how I feel. <laughs> I think so too. It's it's, it's
3: absurd to me. But it, anyway, <laughs> it's true. I mean, also, I'm of of the mind after after years of various auto related adventures and misadventures i'm in the mind that you know ultimately it's it's your money it's and true. if you want to get a car that i think is a pos then right. that's your very expensive bad decision but you know
0: what it's my right just as equally to judge the crap
3: out of you <laughs> that's true <laughs> yes <laughs> all right freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequence uh who's next
2: our next message comes from Mr. A. That's what we're calling him. It's an alias. Uh, let's get into this. <laughs> <laughs> we thought that was funny. Hey, I'm Mr. A. Let me tell you I love your podcast and very vi- video series. That being said, your episode, The Pineal Gland, A Third Eye, struck close to home with me. I recently tried DMT, and I know it's illegal, but don't tell on me. Okay, we won't. My input on your episode would be that I've experienced a very similar vision on a higher power that people who have done DMT say they've seen. And I'm one of those that need to see to believe types. And I can without a doubt say that either DMT is one hell of a drug or that it does really show us something beyond our normal comprehension. Hmm. One final thing. I know you most likely won't read this on air. Oops. Whoops. We got you,
0: Mr. A. (laughs) You give us too much credit. so. (laughs) (laughs) So
2: I'm adding one final thing. A close friend of mine introduced me to the Bohemian Grove, and it has compelled us for years, so much so that we're planning on investigating what goes on there on a deeper level than what has already been seen. We already have a plan to get us in, and hopefully we can send info to you guys, and maybe you guys get the word out.
0: Whoa, remember that article in, uh, it was Vice or something where like somebody worked as a, as a waiter, fry cook or Mm -hmm. a waiter, like serving, it was about milkshakes. It was something like Dick Dick Cheney's, (laughs) like to drink milkshakes or something. But for for people that don't know, Bohemian Grove is like a weird elitist social summer camp in Northern California, Mm -hmm. right? And you know, it's said to be a place where big deals happen because it's like you know hobnobbery with the super super rich influencers mm-hmm. multimillionaires and entrepreneurs politicians of the highest order right? Mm-hmm. Right, right right and they're basically just i guess getting faded and
3: they're drinking just milkshakes the- and, and the- urinating in public there's the yeah. one thing that is the most controversial about it is a ceremony they have called the cremation of care yep. uh, wherein they sacrifice or they burn a uh, mock effigy in front of this huge owl statue
2: did we talk about house of cards this season Mm-mm. already no. did you guys watch that <laughs> no no spoiler. Everyone, okay. So there is a scene that is essentially Bohemian Grove. Oh,
3: that's cool. Where he visits. I'll i mean, watched that episode. They
2: changed the symbology just enough. But if you know what Bohemian Grove is and you know the owl and all the – Did they change things, the
3: animals like a marmoset yeah. or a dolphin? You know the
2: um, – What's the what's the saying about the spiders weaving spiders? Yeah,
3: what tangled webs we weave when first we practice to deceive. Or but purposes. it's
2: but it's something on a plaque that says weaving spiders not here or something like oh, that.
3: Oh yeah, oh the that's the real um, that's the real quotation. Yeah, but Green they they use
2: one that's very very similar in the show. Okay,
3: well thank you for writing to us, Mister A. Well, we sure appreciate it, and uh, we are we have a severe no snitching policy, so mm-hmm. we we're not going to. uh tell on you. I think that's what Mr. Avery for me. the DMT or the infiltration of Bohemian.
2: But for sure, send us oh my anything God. and yeah. everything.
3: Body cam, please,
2: yeah. dude, send us a jump drive
3: and be and be safe. You know, the yeah. the best thing is like they can kick you off of the property. But as long as you are not violating a law, you should be okay.
2: And invest in those pin cameras that you can get or the little button cameras. You'll be good to go.
3: And if they, uh, if they do catch you and they begin to kick you off, first off, bring a phone you don't mind using and please go live on Facebook or, or something. Ooh.
0: <laughs> and if a bunch of men in black robes scoop you up in the middle of the night and take you to a room
3: and tie you to a chair, night night.
2: Well, just remember us and,
3: uh, you know, we'll be thinking about you. And none of this constitutes actual advice. That's As right. you will. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to hear what happens and, and safe travels and best of luck. Our final shout out today comes from uh, someone who says name withheld for fairly obvious reasons. So you know, this will be an interesting mm-hmm. one. I'm a big fan of your show, and I've been listening for about a year, including a dive into your back catalog. I've always been fascinated by conspiracy theories, even if I don't buy into many of them at the end of the day. Mulder was my hero as a kid, and that's part of why I joined the government as a 1811, otherwise known as a special agent. I had one thing I wanted to pass along. Finding an unconventional answer for un- or underexplained events is a lot of the fun uh, in the conspiracy thing. But as someone within the government, I found the biggest mistake you can make is to treat the government quickly quote-unquote, as a monolith. It's more like an ecosystem. It hardly ever acts with one mind and one purpose. So government cover-ups are not impossible, and they do happen, but the bigger the thing a government entity tries to cover up, the more government employees you have to involve. I guess what I'm just trying to say is it'd be hard as hell to fake the moon landing at 3.45 p.m. on a Friday. I'll drop you guys a line if I can ever find that NSA intern. Um, That's awesome.
2: That's a, that is a great point about the ecosystem.
3: Yeah, I like the comparison of the ecosystem. And we've, you know, we've said it before, uh, both in our live shows and on the air and when we're just hanging out, you know, we couldn't agree more, uh, name withheld for fairly obvious reasons. (laughs) Uh, we, we also, we also believe that history has shown us that a lot of nefarious events especially when perpetrated by governments, tend to be perpetrated by circles within governments or factions. Splinter within, groups. You know, like it's not, it's not everybody in um, the CIA or the FBI conspiring to do a thing. It might just be like two guys. It's not a whole police department. It might just be a couple people.
2: Whoa, the salary – For a full time 1811 special agent is nice. Wow.
3: (laughs) I don't know if Uh, more than a podcaster's salary.
2: That is a generalization, and this is looking at a central intelligence agency. Um, Are we talking like 200? It's like 75 to 140. Oh, that's. I mean, that's pretty nice for, you know, working for the government. 140.
3: I don't feel like I I know this agent enough well enough to talk to them about their salary. I know. Hey, I mean, hey, no worries. We're not going <laughs> to not talk about your salary. I just wanted to see, well, hey, Matt, don't get us blackbagged, man. Oh, uh, don't blackbag us, dude. I've got some and cool. Not f- again. This ends our <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode, although it is true that this legal loophole is real. It looks as if your odds of getting Murdered or otherwise, you know, affected by a crime are, are low because again, the crime rate for this area is, is probably statistically zero.
2: However, disappearing in Yellowstone, as we found out from an episode Mm. not long ago Mm -hmm. happens eh, not frequently, but enough.
3: Yeah. It does happen every year. Mm. We can say that. Uh, so please write.
2: And that's the end of this classic
3: episode.
2: If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode,